Welcome to Untitled Investment Talk, the podcast about all things digital assets. Welcome back to the newest episode of the Untitled Investment Talk, this time on the topic of the future of crypto taxation. Things are happening and they're happening really fast. Of course, tax authorities around the globe are struggling to deal with crypto and how to properly tax it without smothering it. Some countries do it differently than others. And today, once again, I'm here accompanied by my co-host, Carl Michael. Carl Michael, thank you for being here. It's a pleasure like always, Simon. And we have a very special guest, Dr. Niklas Schmidt, partner at Wolf Theis, attorneys at law. Niklas, thank you for being here with us. Absolutely. Thank you for the kind invitation. So I think it's a very interesting topic today because there's two words. The one really cares about doing things properly. Let's call it the legacy or established word. And the other one is kind of the DeFi new world that tries to do things as fast as possible and tries to innovate. And those don't always match very well. So I'm very happy to have you here as someone who bridges those words, who knows DeFi in and out and also is an expert in the field of taxation and law. So as a quick disclaimer, of course, to all our listeners, nothing you hear here is in any way, shape or form investment, legal or tax advice. Do your own research. If you're unsure, talk to an expert. We are just talking about our own opinions. Our content is only for entertainment and only for general information. So nothing here is in any way, shape or form advice. Niklas, when and why did you actually get into the world of crypto, uh, the world of digital assets? I mean, I've heard so far that yeah, you are in really deep, but what was kind of your entryway? Yeah, well, I started in 2013, which is already some time ago. And at, at that point in time, I must say I was quite, quite naive. I had no idea what Bitcoin really was. And it took many years for me to understand it, many years of reading. I entered the crypto, the Bitcoin scene, actually, in 2013, in December, because I had been reading a few books on cryptography. So lots of mathematics. And, and somehow I was Googling and I found this interesting new money, which had been rising in value. And yeah, that was my first uh, touch point with Bitcoin. And what role does Bitcoin or more generally uh, what role do digital assets play in your daily work at Wolf Ties now? And even if there is not this big role now, how do you expect this to evolve in the future? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm a partner in a really large law firm, Wolf Ties. And I mean, we have 640 people. We do lots and lots of topics. So we do mostly like M&A and finance and real estate and, and lots of transactions. And crypto is a very tiny part of all of this. I am taking the lead on, on, on crypto uh, and I have started lots of initiatives. One thing is the Wolfdice Crypto Academy, which is a kind of educational forum. So I, I twice a year do this 16 hours event where, where it's called From Zero to Hero, where people can learn everything about Bitcoin, Ethereum, DeFi, investing and, and so on. So, so this is one thing, getting this out to clients, to prospective clients, showing them that there might be somebody out there who wants to eat their lunch. The other thing, we, I mean, here in the firm, I have set up what we call the Wolfdice Crypto Club. So 25 lawyers from different practice groups who are trying to level up, who are trying to uh, increase the expertise in, in crypto. So people from 
capital markets, from data protection, from civil law, from litigation, from tax law as myself. So from all areas which are relevant for our clients. And what we are doing is we are trying to sort of have everybody understand that crypto will impact their work and that they really should know what, what, what this means. And these two initiatives and other things that we have been doing uh, have led to, to our firm becoming more and more well-known uh, in this area. And we are slowly seeing the fruits of this. Yeah? Although, as I mentioned, this is a huge firm and whatever happens in crypto is, is a small part. But there are some things which are coming in quite regularly. So, for example, individuals who are thinking about maybe relocating some better location for them, some better tax jurisdiction for, for crypto traders. So we have people who had realized that they maybe did a few things wrong in the past and they have to correct the past tax return. We have all sorts of startups, so, so uh, NFT exchanges. So there was one, one recently or artists who want to do something in this area. There, there, there are many, many different types of potential clients that we are trying to address. And I think we, we just have to, as a firm, get deep involved in this understand it more and over time this will grow and it will be a massive area and no no lawyer will be able to say that he has no idea about crypto it will i think it will just be relevant for everybody now, i think what this really ties into is also your recently published book where you got together with a group of international experts on this topic of the taxation of crypto assets Maybe you can give our listeners a quick take on what really brought you to write such a, a large piece and what the most important learnings during the writing of it were for you personally. Yeah, no, this was really crazy. Yeah? I, I do lots of presentations and I was doing a, a Bitcoin and crypto presentation in South Korea in Seoul. There was this gathering of the International Bar Association. So I don't know, thousands of lawyers. Uh, and in one of these rooms of this really huge conference center, there was... Uh, this, this crypto event or a presentation, a panel. And I was on this panel. It was about taxation of all sorts of crypto transactions. And my task was at the beginning to explain in, in 10 minutes what Bitcoin and crypto is about, which is like really a daunting task because I had at that point in time been, been reading for many years and uh, it's such a huge area. So it was quite a condensed exercise. And by chance, there was in the room somebody from Walters Kluver from this publishing house. And she really liked the topic because this is something new and fresh. And I mean, it's of course uh, kind of two areas coming together, crypto and taxation. So crypto being like super innov in innovative, super fast, fast paced, things moving very quickly and, and taxation being sort of maybe the opposite of this think of, of Bitcoin having these uh, anarchical roots and, and taxation being the exact opposite, the state, the oppressive force of the state. So a combination of the two. And yeah, and then I was asked to be one of the uh, co-editors of this book that Walters Kluvers wanted to publish. Initially, we thought, okay, it's going to be like 200 pages. At the end of the day, we put together about, I think it was about 40 countries. It's something like 740 pages. It's like a really thick book. I did a post on LinkedIn warning people if they buy the book, yeah, don't read it in bed because it, you might fall asleep and then the book will crash on your head and might kill you. But <laughs> it's like, it's really like a brick. You cannot see it, but it's, uh, it definitely weighs over a kilo. And this post was phenomenal because it got, and I'm a very sort of modest user of LinkedIn, but this post got 100,000 views, which for me is like incredible. And it showed really that there's an, an enormous amount of interest in, in crypto taxation. So this was really a, 
a, a super time to, to launch the book. I mean, the tax authorities have no idea. They have no idea what's going on. And even those things that they deal with, it's like things of the past. Yeah, It's like of the Middle Ages. So, so in most countries, the tax authorities, they cover mining and they might cover trading, but they have no idea what, what DeFi is or staking or NFTs. And, and they're they always a bit behind. Yeah? And um, of course, you can say a book on crypto taxation. Uh, is that, does it make sense? Yeah. Is that not a bit of a paradox? Uh, uh, should it not be sort of in an electronic format? And we then actually also made it available over sort of an online platform. So, so it's not only printed, you can also uh, get it as an, as an ebook. In the book, I think you analyze, like you said, 40 or 39 countries. If we take the case of crypto asset trading here as one uh, use case for crypto taxation, Uh, what were the most extreme positions here you or your co-authors identified in the analysis? So uh, trading being whatever, not taxed at all towards a kind of maximum tax loan. Can you give us some insights about, about the really extreme positions here? Yeah, I mean, most countries uh, see crypto assets as properties and it's just If you trade any property against another property, the latent gains are realized and this is taxable. And then, of course, in, in most countries, you might distinguish between sort of the infrequent trader who does something that is sort of taxable with maybe lower rates or maybe not even taxable. And then you have the more professional trader who does this as his main job, maybe also with leverage, uh, with an organization, with staff, and, and, and that, that person might be taxed at higher rates or might always be taxed irrespective of some minimum holding period. So I think in many countries, the rule is uh, basically this is a taxable transaction and often irrespective of whether you, for example, trade your Bitcoins against fiat or against another crypto asset. So crypto crypto is, is in most countries taxed in the same manner as crypto fiat. Having said that, obviously uh, there are quite, quite a number of, of differences. And I think the, the first most important uh, thing to say is that nearly in no country can you find the word crypto or Bitcoin in the statute, in the, in the laws. So it's always sort of the application of pre-existing tax laws Where, where you have to sort of fit in this, this new phenomenon. And this is normally not a problem to a certain extent because taxation follows this substance over form principle. You don't really look at sort of the technicalities or the formalities, the legal uh, stuff, but you look at what has happened in substance. So, so mostly that helps, but then, then you sometimes when things get really complicated, then you maybe end up in a in a dead end. Yeah? But coming back to your question, I mean, what are some extremes? So I find really interesting Switzerland. Yeah? Switzerland is in itself maybe an extreme because you have um, the possibility for tax-free realization of capital gains, Not, nothing specific to crypto. So this applies in any event. So if you sell any asset, for example, a car and make a gain with that, some, some old timer, Or if you have uh, gold bars that you sell with a, with a capital gain, that is, that is not taxable. And the same applies to, to crypto. But on the other hand, you have something which is really scary in the crypto world. You have wealth tax. And, and the wealth tax is calculated, as I understand it, basically at year end or beginning of the year. Uh, so you do a valuation and, and this can really hit you hard. So think of, think, think of 2017, 2018. 
So basically you had the all-time high, the local all-time high end of 2017, beginning of 2018. Uh, so very nice, uh, very large tax bill. And then two months later, absolute chaos and all your, your values had, uh, your worth had largely evaporated. So this is one, I would say, interesting country. On the one hand, another country at, at the other end, maybe South Korea. Lots of uh, heat in these markets, maybe more gamblers in Asia than, than in Europe. And I think that crypto taxation maybe could have been misused as a possibility to curb and too high enthusiasm for, for crypto trading. This is also, I think, the first country which would impose a withholding tax on, on crypto gain. So basically, if you have a, an account with a crypto exchange located in South Korea, carry out a trade, then the crypto exchange sort of um, collect this withholding tax on the gain that you have realized and uh, will send this amount of money to the uh, local tax authority. And you, as an investor, you might try to get back uh, this tax based on a double taxation uh, treaty that is applicable. So I think South Korea is probably going to be a very aggressive uh, country in terms of crypto enforcement with withholding tax and reporting obligation that, that are being implemented. So very different from this more laissez-faire view that you have in Switzerland, where capital gains are, are basically not taxable because it's not, not seen as an increase in, in your income in a certain sense. That's pretty peculiar, to say the least, definitely. But then again, we here in Austria and in Germany, we also have some peculiarities. So maybe can you briefly outline what's actually so specific from a private and a professional investor's point of view about income and capital gain taxation on crypto assets in Austria and Germany that's so different from maybe the US or the UK or even other EU member states? Mm -hmm, sure, yeah. I mean, maybe for, for the listeners, yeah, Austria and Germany have a similar tax system. That is not by, by accident. Uh, so in 1938, for uh, clear historic reasons, uh, we took over the German tax code. And since then, we had basically the same rules as, as Germany had. Over the decades, obviously, uh, a few changes have been implemented in Germany and in Austria, and things have moved apart a bit. But the fundamental building blocks Uh, of what is called Einkommensteuergesetz of our Income Tax Act are the same. So you have the, the same terms like an asset, Wirtschaftsgut, or what is called Privatvermögen, sort of non-business assets on the one hand, and Betriebsvermögen, business assets on the other hand. And this is maybe sort of the fundamental difference yeah, uh, to, to other countries. So in Austria and Germany, if you have some assets that are not held within an sort of active trade or business, then capital gains as a rule were not taxable if you realize the capital gain after one year, a so-called speculation period. So no taxability of capital gains after a one year holding period, but full taxability within a one year holding period. So, so the legislator assumes that if you sell something within a short period of time, You should be taxed on it because you might have a kind of speculative intent and you are maybe similar to a trader, similar to somebody who is doing this in the course of a business. But if you realize the gain after a longer period of time, then, then you should not be taxed. So th this is a nice rule, yeah, but only superficially because in practice, and I just this morning had a two hour meeting with a client where, where, where we discussed how, how harmful this rule actually is because it somehow forces Uh, people who want to 
uh, escape taxation to hold on to to assets which they would otherwise have sold uh, the, 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 that, that client had, had the gut feeling that he should be selling uh, but that he was uh, sort of afraid of the tax bill and therefore thinking of continuing to hold this asset so so it, it creates a, a bit of, of a problem in these uh, really uh, quick moving markets where sometimes uh, you just have to sell and and, and and move things so it's a bit of a clash here between crypto where you you have so so much uh, innovation so many developments and then then you have this one year period that you have to hold an asset through that that does not fit together maybe the most important question for our listeners here at least one of the most important questions and you were already kind of pointing to it if we think about tax optimization opportunities for individuals or corporates in austria and germany I mean, because of the speculation, tax loss harvesting year-end might be the point or having separate mm -hmm. wallets for hodling versus trading. For some individuals who are heavily trading, it might be better to open up a business and benefit from maybe lower corporate uh, tax rates. Out of this universe of tax optimization opportunities, which one would you see are particularly relevant uh, from your experience? Yeah, uh, thank you. That's a super question. And that is also, yeah, we, we ask this in practice over and over again. I, I think sort of make use of tax losses and don't concentrate on year end actually. So for example, you just had this, this tweet by, by you know whom, yeah, and this sent the crypto markets downwards and many people lost a lot of money on paper. But if you use this, if you realize the loss, yeah, if you basically sell the assets which have just been devalued and buy them back immediately, then you have a, a tax loss which you can use uh, to offset against your gains. And th that is a, a really quick win, yeah? that, that's easy. It does not cost you a lot. I mean, basically on taxes, for example, you have 0.3% commission, so to say, to pay. But in exchange, you get the difference between your acquisition cost of this asset and the current price as a loss and can use this to offset with other income. So, so this is not something that you should only do at year end. You should uh, see whenever something bad happens in, in crypto and it happens regularly, then not only maybe think of buying the dip, but also think of uh, selling something that uh, you have purchased with a higher price, sell that and immediately buy it back. And, and then you will be back on step one, but you will have created a loss, uh, a loss which you can use to deduct from your gains. And, and that is uh, basically money you get back from the tax authorities. And what do you think about this having like separate wallets for hodling and for trading? So we say one in for private investors where we have this can use the speculation period of one year and the other one is for just for, let's say, regular frequent uh, trading. Do you see this very often? Do you think that makes a lot of sense? Or do you think from the interpretation of the tax authority that can become a, little, a bit critical? Yeah, I, I think most crypto investors, they just enter this space. And, and don't think about the tax consequences. They see the opportunities, try out things, jump between chains so from Ethereum to Binance Smart Chain, uh, try out the newest and flashiest uh, DeFi protocols, have they then purchase maybe a hardware wallet, have several exchange accounts. And I think what, what would be good is to have a bit of a plan and to, to maybe separate things and make things 
easy to sort of track. Yeah? The most uh, crypto investors at some point in time then realize, oh, all that I've been doing actually has some tax consequences. So, so maybe the one or the other listener who is not yet like fully into crypto and is sort of taking his first steps or her first steps, maybe this is sort of a good reminder to try to, to keep uh, track of things. So maybe you have some kind of uh, spreadsheet, some kind of, I don't know, overview where you list what you're doing, yeah, which exchanges are you using. You anyway have to store somewhere all your seed phrases and uh, you, you might have some wallets on your mobile phone. You might have some paper wallets. You might have some wallets on your computer. Maybe sort of to, I think it's important to have a kind of a uh, good system to then, if it's the time to, to prepare a tax return, to, to easily sort of navigate through this and get order into, into the chaos. No, I think that's a lot of good advice, especially the first one. I haven't even thought about too much myself, to be honest, but it absolutely makes sense to book a loss in order to count it against your gains. As you mentioned, the crypto assets are taxed differently, but mostly as income tax here in Austria and in Germany. Do you think that we'll be moving towards uh, taxation as capital gains in the future? Or do you think it will stay this way for the foreseeable time? Yeah, I, I think what you're referring to is, is that we have this system of the one year uh, uh, holding period. So after one year, it's uh, free of tax. Before the expiry of the one year period, it's taxable. And in contrast, if you have shares or bonds, and if you trade them, you're always taxed on the capital gains. So with this, we can call them financial assets, Kapitalvermögen in German, uh, with financial assets, you're always taxable. The one year period does not make, make any difference. You're not taxed at the lower level, you're always fully taxable. And, and your question is basically, will we be seeing a shift from this current system with a one year speculation period in Germany and Austria, a shift to the taxation that applies if you hold uh, shares in your securities deposit. Niklas, maybe one, one additional point. I mean, mm -hmm. the classical, what we call Abgeltungssteuer in Germany for, for capital gains is different from the income tax rate. So on top of the speculation uh, period, you have a significant difference between whatever 48% taxation and 25% taxation, which is the Abgeltungssteuer in Germany. So this would both kick in. And I think yeah. Simon's question is going into also into this direction. Yeah, that's a super remark because in a certain sense, both belong together. The, the idea for the Abgeltungssteuer, which we shamelessly copied in Austria, so we basically have the same system. The idea is that everything is taxable, whereas previously, when this one-year period applied, only sort of short-term gains were taxable. But as a benefit for everything being taxable, at least you have a lower tax rate. So this is the 25% rate that just alluded to. So, and, and then the question is sort of, will we be moving maybe to, to, to this system? And I was thinking about a crypto taxation reform a few weeks ago, and I was asking myself, how should this be changed? And are there any like fault lines and, and things which are weird? Yeah? And they are really weird things. So just imagine the following. Let's say you buy Tesla Motors Inc. stock. So you have a securities account with Deutsche Bank. And in the securities account, you have one Tesla share and you sell that. So in Germany, you, you would have the 25% uh, income tax rate, which is a flat rate. And the taxation kicks in if you sell it after six months or after 18 months. It does not matter. So the one year period 
is, as far as I understand, irrelevant. But now take a look and, and think about this. I mean, you can buy on various taxes on biosynthetics. Uh, that, that you can buy synthetic Tesla stock. <laughs> so you can buy, uh, I think it's like MTSLA or so, uh, which is a crypto asset. And, and this asset, if you buy it, uh, and you sell it within one year, it's fully taxable. So the full income tax rate, the progressive income tax rate applies. If you sell it after a year, this is tax free, tax exempt. So economically the same product, uh, uh, so the entitlement to Tesla or having part of Tesla has totally different tax consequences. And th this is weird in, in particular, since in income tax, the, the substantive reform principle applies. And you would expect that things that are sort of economically the same, that they will be taxed in the same manner. So such products, I would find sensible to, to tax them in the same way as the stocks. And therefore, this would be an argument. But actually, I think I would not do this, but I would, if I can dare to make a proposal here, where crypto taxation should be heading is towards an easier system that takes into account that this is not like uh, stock trading, but more of a wild, innovative space where you have lots and lots of new products being created every week, every week something new, every week something new which raises new tax questions and tax questions which are very hard to answer. And, and in Austria, there are like, I don't know, 10 crypto tax specialists 10 renowned crypto tech specialists, and they might have various answers to, to, to the questions that they poses to them. So my proposal would be to, to have a kind of, how, how can I put this? But maybe it would be good to, to be able to define a kind of crypto portfolio, for example, by reference to your uh, uh, centralized exchange account or by reference to your Ethereum address. And basically you, you value your holdings on, on these uh, defined uh, uh, centralized exchange accounts or on these uh, Ethereum and Binance Smart Chain or whatever uh, addresses, you, you take the value at year end and you compare it with the value at the beginning of the year. And, and then you, of course, uh, will end up with uh, a certain balance. Hopefully for the investor, it will be positive. Uh, you could also take into account any deposits during the year and come up with sort of the increase in value of this defined portfolio and apply to this increase in value a certain percentage, a percentage which takes into account that some of these things that have happened here might have been tax-free. Some of this stuff, the crazy stuff that was carried out uh, in this portfolio uh, was taxable. Uh, and uh, this percentage, you just apply across the board uh, to this uh, increase in value and on this basis that you then apply the income tax rate. So you, you basically you cut through and you don't care whether the person has done staking or liquidity providing on some decks or has uh, received governance tokens by way of an airdrop or has jumped between different uh, blockchains. Yeah, he has used a bridge or has received, I don't know, tokens for some uh, service or because he has locked them up in some smart contract. You don't anymore look at exactly what happened, but you, you have a kind of lump sum taxation, uh, which is easy to apply. Of course, it's a bit rougher. Of course, it's, it's sort of not exact, yeah? but everybody is happy because the, the tax uh, payer just knows, okay, uh, how do you calculate? It's very easy to calculate. It's just, you can do it on a napkin. And for the tax authorities, tax compliance 
checking becomes also a lot easier. So maybe that's uh, that, that's a quick idea. Uh, uh, it's 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 crazy, but maybe it fits to crypto because crypto is also crazy. Yeah? And maybe it's uh, it's something that uh, uh, tax authorities might might pick up. That's an interesting idea, but I assume this all refers to the realized income and not like a wealth kind of wealth-based taxation, I assume. That brings me to the next question here. Crypto and inheritance and crypto and wealth tax. You mentioned the Switzerland example already, but how is this in Austria and Germany? Can you shed some light on this for our listeners? Yeah, sure, sure. But maybe as a remark to the first part of your question, yes, of course, this sort of the difference in value is, is also a mishmash, a mixture of realized and unrealized increases. And therefore, the, the percentage that you apply in order to come up with a tax base should be a low one, yeah? because you, you have to take into account that it might be the case that for some taxpayers, everything is realized. For some taxpayers, nothing is realized. And for lump sum uh, method, it should be somewhere in between. But your question, uh, the, the, the gist of your question was actually, what about inheritance and wealth tax? We've been dealing a lot with income taxation. Well, the easy thing is that in Austria, we have no inheritance and no wealth tax. So these taxes were abolished long ago. So I think the gift and inheritance tax in 2008 and the wealth tax in 1993. So I'm actually anyway not a friend of these taxes, certainly not of wealth tax, which is very intrusive. And I mean, wealth tax basically means that a tax inspector should come to your home and take a look at your pictures and your furniture and all of your gadgets and, and would have to, to assess that and add that up. So I find it personally a tax which should not be implemented or if it exists should be uh, abolished because it's a tax which costs a lot to enforce, uh, uh, which leads to a lot of litigation. The costs of raising the tax are normally similar to the amounts that are being raised, which is why Austria abolished the, the wealth tax. But taking a, a longer term view, obviously we have COVID-19, we have governments which have spent so much money on, on relief for businesses which could not open, which were, which were forced uh, to close. So money was handed out. Our budget deficits are in even worse shape than they had been in the past. Uh, so inevitably, uh, governments will have to raise money. And the, the OECD has just recently issued a report on inheritance and gift taxation. And I think there's going to be a strong push into this direction. So likely many countries that do not yet uh, have gift and inheritance taxation will introduce that. And so, so this is going to become a, a topic also for, for crypto assets. And I think what you mentioned is something that's quite prevalent in the crypto scene. I feel like many people, me included, are wondering, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Probably a bit of both that tax authorities and government uh, bodies are lagging so far behind. Of course, things are moving really fast in the crypto space, even compared to the traditional, traditional industries. But still, do you think that any time within the next five to ten years, we will see a lot more capable fintech people work for tax authorities? Do you feel like we're going to see some more innovation from that space, kind of maybe a change of the mindset there? Or do you think the gap will remain unclosed for long time? Yeah, uh, I mean, the tax authorities are worldwide in a similar situation. They are, they are basically a few years behind. And, and, and this gap exists because crypto is not mainstream. Most tax officers have never 
sort of had any dealings with with crypto they don't understand it even their superiors don't understand it the guidance issued is is uh, is lacking it's just a few pages in in most countries and of course crypto will become more mainstream so the average tax official will know a lot more about bitcoin in, in 10 years time than, than is currently the case and just as an anecdote i had this client telling me he had a tax audit uh, and the tax auditor actually to join the client and ask the client to show him on his laptop how he was accessing these exchanges, how he was doing that. Because in the tax officials office, the, the website of this exchange was blocked. So you could not, I don't know, maybe you could not <laughs> access Binance. Yeah? So, so he, he just heard about, uh, saw that the, the taxpayer had used Binance, but he had no idea what Binance was, could not access it. And, and therefore, asked the client to show him on his laptop how this worked and what he was had been doing there, and and please explain to me what you have done on this this exchange. And and so that that is really funny. It shows that yeah, it shows that the authorities are behind. And will this change? I don't think so because crypto is so quick. You have you have all sorts of of new new products popping up, in particular in the, in this DeFi area where you have this idea of money legal, you can put things together. That obviously leads to new products being shipped, so to say, regularly. And the authorities will, even if they, even if they now had a full uh, catalog of the tax consequences for all available products, that would be stale in half a year's time. So just think about uh, DeFi a year ago. So in, in June 2020, you had Aave and Compound and, and Uniswap and, and all of this. I mean, so many things happened since then. Yeah? So, so many new products uh, were created and modified that will probably continue and it will always be a bit of a catch up game. Some authorities may be a bit more sort of ahead of the curve. So for example, the US, they at least have this question on the first page of the US federal income tax return form. Did you have any, I think, like, did you have any transactions in crypto? Although the question is very sort of curiously worded and it's not, for some practitioners, not clear what they exactly want, want to, to, to know. But, but yeah, at least they are sort of addressing this, sort of trying to come to terms with, with crypto. Yeah. I mean, at least something is happening. But yeah, I totally agree. It feels like new technologies, new protocols are popping up faster than many tax authorities are even capable of reading through them, like understand what they are doing. So yeah, things are lagging behind. Now, as we're coming to the end of um, this episode of the podcast, we always like to ask one larger question, the so-called golden question, where we look a bit further ahead into the future. And it's a bit more open to interpretation, I would also say. So, Niklas, do you believe that tech software like Blockpit or coin tracking or accounting in the future might replace the tax advisor? So that once the legal framework is more settled, more certain, more clear, and we have proper guidelines and some legal cases available already, do you think all of this can probably be automated as for the first time all the transactions are at least theoretically on chain and can be automatically read? What's your opinion on that? Yeah, that, that is a super question and, and something actually I thought about this morning. So I had this client with crypto transactions going back to 2017. And obviously he was, as, as often happens, not aware that he was triggering income tax, so income taxation by trading with crypto. He thought only when I, I go back into Euro is this taxable, only when I have some 
have more euros than I put in originally. And, and we are now trying to, to what is called disclosure, uh, to tell you, to make a filing with the authorities, tell them, listen, the client was sort of unaware that he should have uh, filed income tax returns. This is what he has earned in 2017, 18, 19, and basically 20. And please assess the tax. And with this filing, obviously he will have to pay the income tax that he should have anyway paid, but he will not get any penalties. Yeah? And now how do we determine the tax basis? Of course, we could sort of take a spreadsheet and enter thousands of, of numbers and, and, and do the calculations of these assets. But we are, in, in this case, we, we told them basically put in the API keys of your centralized exchanges, put in your Ethereum and whatever Binance Smart Chain wallet addresses into BlockPit, uh, uh, give us the printout. We will go through this uh, and, and normally this, this software works flawlessly. I mean, there are various uh, similar products out there. And I think the tax authorities are happy if they get this sort of professionally looking uh, document as the basis for the income tax return. So already now our work is, is sort of being automated, but we're not unhappy about this because it would create a lot of a lot of fees, uh, unnecessary fees for the client, and and this is not work that we actually want to do. Yeah? So our role, and this is similar to automation in other areas. I mean, my son is doing AI at university, and we're always discussing which jobs are going to be to be automated and what is the next new thing, the, the, the next frontier of sort of human beings that are being that will be unnecessary. I mean, in the tax world, I don't think we will be fully automated. Tax law is notoriously complex. Here it makes perfect sense to use a computer program, uh, but the legal questions, uh, uh, there are some sort of things that, that will probably take a bit longer. Yeah? So I don't know when, when they will also be automated, but definitely I still have a bit of time <laughs> until my requirement in a few decades. So it's more of a hybridization and more of a like uh, collaboration for the time being. Yes, absolutely. That's a great, that's a great summary of my lengthy statement. Yeah. No, but absolutely makes sense. Uh, I feel the same way. So it's great to have the stuff that's on chain, all the transactions easily read out. But then, of course, law is a lot about interpretation and argumentation. And as you said, especially tax law, notoriously complicated. So, Niklas, thank you so much for the amazing talk. I feel like we've learned a lot. And I hope for our listeners, it was very similar. And of course, you're not gone yet. We are about to record a second episode. The second one, more specifically on the taxation of decentralized finance, DeFi, which has been well, really a big thing, I would say, for the past 12 months. And it's been growing like uh, no one could have foreseen. So definitely to all our listeners, stay tuned for that one. And for the time being, Niklas, thank you so much for this episode. I think it was a real pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, tax is normally like a really boring subject. I'm totally aware of that. But I think... Tax and crypto, that makes it maybe a bit more interesting. That's definitely something that goes well together if you are keen to learn a lot, I think, because this combination is still quite fresh for many. So thank you to all our listeners, as I already said, for being here and stay tuned for the next episode of the Untyped Investment Talk, the podcast about all things digital assets. All signal, no noise. Mm -hmm.